what we have found is through their referrals, you know, I think I think the last count is six individuals that were a constant contact, whether it was criminally or for mental health episodes on our properties have now been, you know, they, they've gotten the proper treatment. They now have housing. And, you know, you cannot put a dollar figure of, of this component of what it's saving the city and RTD in regards to response. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. News and views this week with our special newsmaker guest, Steve Martingano, who is Deputy Chief of Police at the Denver RTD. We talked to him about his new proactive policing program, which I think you'll find very interesting. They were doing it before anyone else. We just got back from Denver, actually, from the Apta Tech show, where we filmed several episodes of our Transit Unplugged TV show, one focusing around the Apta Tech show with special guests Paul Scatellis, Gary Rosenfeld, Manjeet Such, Steve Young, and many others. And then we did a couple episodes around the Denver RTD transit system, where we interviewed Deborah Johnson, Michael Ford, and many others of their transit system, riding the system. Lots of fun. These are episodes which will be coming up very soon on Transit Unplugged TV. If you haven't watched an episode yet, we just dropped our Jacksonville, Florida episode this last week. Go to your YouTube app on your phone and just type in Transit Unplugged TV. It'll take you to our homepage. You can watch any of the seven or eight episodes we've dropped so far this year. In other news, lots of big news coming out of Washington, D.C. this week uh, with big news coming from funding from FTA. The Federal Transit Administration has announced over $1.6 billion in grants for public transit agencies across the U.S. to invest in their bus fleets and facilities. The $1.66 billion was funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, and it will be used to purchase, get this, more than 1,100 vehicles using zero-emission technologies. The awards were made under FTA's buses and bus facilities and low and no-emission vehicle programs, and they are FTA's first competitive grant selections under the new law. This will make funding available to help agencies buy or lease U.S.-built, lower no-emission vehicles, including related equipment and facilities. The infrastructure law provides about $5.5 billion over five years for the program. The grants for buses and bus facility programs support agencies in buying and rehabilitating buses and vans and in building bus maintenance facilities. This is a great program for U.S.-based transit agencies to nearly double the number of clean buses currently on the road. Great news, and a lot of transit agencies have been announcing their funding, including Chicago. Uh, In Chicago, PACE, which is PACE Suburban Bus, they recently met this last week to include an electric bus purchase and several other things, and they have exciting news on the PACE's Harvey Transportation Center project. The United States Department of Transportation announced last week that PACE will receive a $20 million Rebuilding American Infrastructure with Sustainability and Equity Discretionary Grant, different from the previous ones we were mentioning. It's called a RAISE grant, and that'll help fund the Transportation Center's reconstruction project. Melinda Metzger, the executive director and a recent guest here on Trans Unplugged, said this is the first raise grant that our agency has received. To put into perspective the significance of receiving an award under this program, nationally, only 7% of applications are awarded funding and only 10 grants have been awarded in our region in the program's history. The largest award was in 2022 was 25 million. So PACE is 20 million it's at the very high end of what was awarded Congratulations to Melinda and the team there for receiving this big grant. Additionally, the Board of Directors of PACE approved an ordinance authorizing the award of a two-year contract to Userve, a transportation networking company, 
to provide additional PACE ADA paratransit services throughout the region. The service implementation will provide additional transportation options for riders without diverting operators from existing bus and taxi carriers currently providing PACE service. The contract will help increase regional service capacity, address operator shortages, and accommodate projected regional ridership growth. Another agency that's having some great progress is the High Speed Rail Authority Board in California. They have voted unanimously to sign off on a preferred route and environmental clearance for the segment that would carry high-speed rail trains from San Jose into San Francisco by sharing electrified track with Caltrain. Congratulations to those folks uh, in San Francisco. This is big news moving forward on this very important project here in the United States. Well, that's it for the news portion of this program. Thanks so much for being with us, and be sure to stay tuned now for our interview with Steve Martingano from the police department at Denver RTD, where he talks about programs that they have, including uh, the use of mental health clinicians and a homeless outreach coordinator. They're the first agency in the country to use mental health clinicians to work alongside transit police officers. They've been doing it now for five or six years. Uh, You'll hear directly from the man who started it all off right here today on Transit Unplugged. This is our Newsmaker interview on Transit Unplugged News and Views. Great to have with me Steve Martingano, who is the Deputy Chief of Police at the RTD in Denver. Actually, you're acting police this month still, right? Acting Chief of Police in Denver? I am for a few more weeks, yes. Yeah, very good. So, Steve, thanks so much for being with us. You and I met recently um, on another podcast I was recording about preventing driver assaults. And I'll be out there in Denver before this actually airs, meeting with your team out there, looking at some of the stuff that you've done. And I I wanted to have you on board the show today to talk about really an important topic to the transit industry, especially here in the U.S. There's been a lot of bad headlines for the industry over the last six months to a year with violence occurring you know, in New York City and other big cities on transit buses and trains, some of it directed you know, from passenger on passenger, others of it directed toward our operators, our professional bus drivers, et cetera. And I just wanted to have you come on because you're seen as one of the kind of the leading lights in the industry when it comes to fresh approaches to all of this. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be on here and, and speak to you and, and everyone listening. So I appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about as, you know, kind of for context about the agency, Denver RTD and about your police department there. Yeah. So our agency is, uh, you know, pretty large. We, we cover over 2,300 square miles. Uh, you know, we have bus, light rail, commuter rail. We go through eight counties and 42 cities. So you could only imagine how many different jurisdictional, you know, boundaries we have to cross over, especially in the law enforcement field. So, you know, we have 21 sworn officers within our, our transit police division. We also have a, a robust security contract. So we have over 290 security officers that, that are usually the first faces that our customers see. But really what we need is the partnerships and we, and we have really developed great partnerships with all the local municipalities and, and the, the sheriff counties. So. That's great. And you're, you've been working on this in concert, I think, with a bunch of other transit agencies, right? I mean, you've actually started a group of law enforcement folks working on vulnerable populations in transportation, right? Yeah. So actually it's uh, not all law enforcement. So, you know, RTD, we were the first public transportation agency to have what's called a co-responder unit. So that's where we put a mental health clinician with one of our officers. So we we started that over almost six years ago now. 
that has started becoming a little bit more nationally known as as I've you know as I've attended the APTA conferences and, and other uh, transit related you know conferences and meeting with people. So one time I was asked by APTA to do a peer review, which was to look over a security you know model for a transit agency. And during that peer review, we had uh, somebody from Dallas Start as well as Cap Metro, and they were really curious about my mental health clinician program. So after the peer review was over, we started meeting on the side, and you know that started developing and we started bringing more and more agencies. So we were meeting about once a month. Then, like I said, we started reaching out to different agencies. We're now about 20 plus agencies that we meet monthly. We have a title of our of our group called our Vulnerable Population and Transit. And we have, you know, a really distinguished amount of, you know, transit agencies that are part of this group. So, And you just had a conference where you brought them all out, right? Yeah, we had a two-day conference here in Denver. I voted San Diego, but I got outvoted. Everyone wanted to come see Denver. <laughs> so we had a two-day conference here, August 3rd and 4th. We had about uh, we had over over 20 participants that that um made up about 10 transit agencies within that group were able to come out here. And it was really great. We had a two-day, it was, it was um nonstop packed agenda. We walked around our union station, uh, kind of showed them a little bit about what we've done in regards to working with the city and county in Denver to uh to assist us with some of the issues that we were seeing at our at our really big hub. Um, and then we had some great speakers come in and, and speak to the group. That's great. And we're going to film that on our Transit Unplugged TV episode when we come out there just next week for the for the for the show that we're going to film with your with your agency. So let's just dig right in. Tell us some about what you're doing. Let's let's describe for our listeners the programs you have, the clinician program and how you're working with vulnerable populations there. Yeah. So like I said, five years ago, when I first started here, I I noticed very quickly that, you know, we had some issues related to mental health episodes on our vehicles and it was being treated back then more of a criminal incident rather than what it what it needed to be treated, which was more medically induced, right? So, so as I started looking into that, the Mental Health Center of Denver, which is now called WellPower, they had just started a program with the city and county of Denver and Denver Police Department. I had retired from there, so I reached out and said, "Hey, can we start this uh, at RTD?" We started as a pilot program, and we and we noticed within the first thirty days that this was something that was needed on public transportation. A lot of individuals that suffer from mental health issues, they utilize public transportation to get to their counseling sessions, go to the hospital to get their medications. So, you know, we, we were we were noticing a lot of crossover that they, some individuals at Denver PD were, were contacting. You know, a lot of that was originating from them, you know, taking RTD as public transportation. So we formulated that program and we started. At first, we just had one. It has now morphed to four mental health clinicians within our agency. We'd love to go more, but like I had mentioned earlier, we only have 21 police officers. You need to have a police officer to, to work with the mental health clinician in this capacity. So the more we hire, the more hopefully we expand that program. So how does it work? Uh, so what happens is, uh, you know, the shift starts and the, and the officer and the mental health clinician, they team up, they drive around. Sometimes they'll get calls of service associated with maybe somebody having an outburst or, or some type of, you know, disorderly conduct or something of that nature, which is more the terminology based for policing on a bus or on a train. And then as as the notes come in, they realize that this person may be, you know, yelling or, or doing something. They're not really directing that anger or, or, or that, that, uh, that conversation at, at anyone in particular. So the mental health clinician will listen to that radio call and say, hey, let me, let's go that way. This person might be suffering from a mental health episode. They, they'll go ahead, they'll respond. And then, you know, the officer is there to just make sure the scene is, is okay for the clinician. And as soon as that, you know, they, they deem that, that it's okay for the clinician to walk into that and speak to that individual, the clinician walks in and then takes over that, that contact. So, and, and so 
what's the results been? So the, the clinician will talk to this person, try to get them to what, calm down, leave the bus. What's the, what's normally the game plan? Yeah. So obviously that, you know, going back to training methods and such, you know, that this is, you know, they have their degrees in clinical psychology or, or other, other factors. So they, you know, they'll speak to that individual. They'll, they'll, you know, ask them questions. They'll just listen to them. And then from that, they'll decipher if that person maybe needs to be placed on a mental health hold, right. Cause they can't take care of themselves or they're dangerous to themselves and others. So that's something where the police officer then gets involved and, and that person gets transported to a hospital. Or it could be something where, you know, they could just talk that person down and, and, and calm them down a little bit based off of their training. Or they might say, hey, you know what? There are services out there from what you're experiencing, and they could direct them and and tell them that, you know, contact the, you know, well, well power or, you know, whatever jurisdiction they live in and, and give them other mental health clinician programs to maybe go speak to them and such. So. Okay. And what, what normally happens during an incident like that with the rest of the passengers on the bus? So the bus pulls over to a safe place or to a bus stop, and then the police officer and the clinician meet them and they go on the vehicle. They talk to them. What's going on with the other passengers? Yeah, usually, like I said, uh, you know, they're, they're civilian attired, right? And they're civilian employees. And usually they get cooperation almost immediately, right? Uh, you know, the officer, like I said, the officer will go make sure that everyone's, everything's okay. There's no weapons or anything associated with that. Um, and then the clinician, just basically through their training and, and conversational, they're they're able to, you know, ask that person to step off the bus or, or you know, they, they'll put them in a safe area that's safe for everyone involved to include our customers and our operators. Okay. If it is a situation where that person is not going to leave a bus or a train, you know, we, we, you know, we have at times held that bus or train and make sure that people do get off, depending obviously on the escalation of that conversation. So there's been a lot of talk, like you mentioned, in our industry over the last year or two about these kind of new policing methods on vehicles, but you've been doing it now for six years. So tell us about the results of the program, Steve. So, you know, the results are, are, are phenomenal. You know, the, the amount of contacts we get, uh, we get quarterly data reports from the, from the well power and they kind of give us a little bit of, of, um, basis on what they're contacting and what, you know, what, what those individuals they are contacting about. Nothing is, is violation of HIPAA because, you know, we don't have any names or anything like that. It's just an overall data. So what we're finding from that, you know, we're able to use, utilize this data to kind of develop new programs within RTD. One of the, one of the, biggest data points that we found was that over 70% of the individuals that the mental health clinicians were contacting were experiencing homelessness. So that's, you know, that's a very large amount of, of the, uh, you know, of the amount of contacts they were making. So we utilized that data and we found that it would be necessary, you know, we, we, Mental health clinicians are very, you know, they're trained on mental health illnesses. They don't know where a lot of the shelters are, who gives food, that kind of, you know, those, those kind of referrals. So we found out that, hey, you know what, let's try to get ourselves a, a homeless outreach coordinator because we now are having so many individuals that that are, are you know, on our system and may need additional assistance. So we were able to receive a grant. Uh, we, we now have a homeless outreach coordinator and we kind of now have a tripod effect of, you know, the homeless outreach coordinator, mental health clinician, and a police officer and they go they go uh, all three of them at times together to calls and try to find out which you know which component of that is is the best for that person or contact that's interesting and what have the results been when it comes to like number of incidents or you know attacks on other employees or on other passengers have you seen a decline in that or the raw numbers looking lower you know i mean our incident report numbers i think uh you know I, we don't see, I don't think, a huge dramatic you know, decrease or increase in relation to it. I think what we are finding, though, and especially our operators are understanding that, you know, first of all, if anything was to go beyond, you know, a mental health episode and goes to a physical contact, that then becomes a criminal action, right? But what, you know, to, to 
true numbers of where that leads to in regards to is it going to go physical? That's really hard to decipher. But what we what we have been seeing though is you know these individuals are getting more of the medical treatment than the criminal as you know, the criminal response to that. So when they are having the outbursts, whether it be like I said on a vehicle or on one of our properties, the mental health clinician is is contacting these individuals. And what we have found is through their referrals, you know. I think I think the last count is six individuals that were a constant contact, whether it was criminally or, or for mental health episodes, on our properties have now been, you know, they, they've gotten the proper treatment. They now have housing. And, you know, you cannot put a dollar figure, even, even though we're trying, we're really trying to do that, mm-hmm. but put a dollar a dollar figure of, of this component of what it's saving the city and RTD in regards to response. So that's good. Now, the Federal Transit Administration is, is really elevating safety and safety committees to a, to a national level. A lot of transit agencies have already had safety committees, but can you tell us about the new rules coming out of Washington? Uh, you know, the new rules in regards to the assault and, and then, you know, the safety committees, RTD, again, we, we you know, we, we've already established that we have safety committees that we meet weekly for for our different bus divisions and, and rail divisions. You know, we're, we're still trying to decipher exactly what, you know, what the rules are going to be in regards to the membership involved. But RTD has, again, we've been forefront on that. You know, we understand our, our operators' concerns. And a lot of this, you know, a lot of this has, you know, these, these type of programs have developed because of, uh, you know, these conversations that we've had for years. Uh, to give go back to an example, the data, uh, you know, you know, one of the things our operators have, have continued, you know, they, they love this program. They love when they see the clinician come on because they know that this person is going to be treated, you know, in more of a compassionate manner and they're going to get the help they need. But they have asked us, hey, is there anything we could, you know, we could be taught or trained? So what we did was we developed mental health videos. You know, we utilized four of the top mental health diagnoses that our clinicians had, you know, that they contact on a weekly basis. We we then, you know, we went out and we, we did videos on that. Um, our CEO has allowed me to share those videos. So if any of your, you know, listeners uh, would love to see them, I, I know, please send me an email um, and I'll send them out to you. But a lot of, or, uh, a lot of agencies have seen these and now, now they are going to start utilizing them as training for their own um, agencies. And if, if I, if Paul, if I have a second, I just want to go back to, you know, that two day conference we had, I just want to give you some of the titles now that these, these transit agencies are have within their, you know, within their org charts. There was a coordinator of community engagement programs. There was a director of outreach services. There was a community intervention specialist. There was a director of support services. There was a director of social responsibility. These are not titles, and, and you've been in the transit world yeah. a lot longer than I could even imagine, that you would ever see years and years ago. So I think what's really great, you know, about meeting like this and everyone understanding that there is a societal element that public transportation needs to be part of. And I think all these these agencies are recognizing that and they're all stepping forward, which is wonderful. That is good, Steve. And thank you for the great work you've done in leading kind of an industry, kind of at the spearhead of, a, of an industry movement to make sure that you know we handle these situations with grace. So thank you so much, Steve, for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged and sharing with us some of the programs you've done and how you've led us to a nationwide movement. Uh, again, thanks for having me, and, and I hope everyone appreciates that you know that they know trans- public transportation is trying to be part of the solution moving forward. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. A well-considered communications plan will offer you many ways to reach your audiences. You might include social media, bulk mail, digital advertising, and public relations among your approaches. But how do you know what tactics are working for you? Establishing success criteria is a component of a communications plan that often gets left out. 
When it comes to setting success criteria for marketing tactics, consider establishing one or two key performance indicators per tactic. For example, on your organic social media, do you value that tactic to build conversations with your audience? Then the number of comments per post could be your key indicator of success. But if you're hoping social media will help you expand your message beyond your followers, consider looking at shares as a signal that you're on the right track. Digital platforms can also help you rate the success of material tactics. For example, with bulk mail, you can use a custom URL or a QR code that is only printed on that particular mailing. When you track how many users have used that URL or code, you'll be able to get a sense of the return on your investment. If you'd like to talk more about success criteria for your marketing or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hi, this is Mike Bismarck, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness, with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Well, if you remember last year during APTA in Orlando, I had mentioned that I had visited a charity ahead of the event called Self Outreach in Orlando. These are folks making a difference every day in the community of Orlando. Our company has continued to partner with this organization, and I had the pleasure of stopping by this past week while in Florida for business. As they continue advocating for those experiencing homelessness and other challenges, we know that the pandemic has unfortunately been harder on some than others, and there are more folks needed every day to help and more folks in need of help. How is this related to transit, you might ask? Well, the point is having your organization or team have some sort of outreach or partnership that will provide a purpose for your organization and let people have some fun outside of work as well, trying to contribute. This charity actually gives out bus passes for those in need of transportation to get to job interviews, medical appointments, as just part of some of the offerings they have. So there is a bit of a natural alignment to transit. That being said, it's just amazing that we are surrounded by so many folks working hard every day in our communities that a lot of us are never aware of. That again is leadership. My challenge, get involved with someone some organization, make a donation, volunteer some time, or simply visit an organization in your area that's working hard to make a difference. You will be inspired. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our special guest, Steve Martingano, Deputy Chief of Police of Denver RTD Transit Police. Next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, Paul's talking with David Scorey, CEO of Keolis North America, about the role contracting plays in public transit. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.